Hey, this is Angus Cruikshank, and you're listening to the Future Sickos Podcast. What is up, Ottawa Sanders fans, Twitter community? Uh, back, back like we never left. This is uh, Brennan and my co-host, Derek, who I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. Um, so yeah, so, uh, welcome to episode five. We're really excited to, um, dig in to the, some of the off season stuff that's been going on with, uh, with the Sens, as well as, um, some of the draft coverage that, that we're going to go over. Um, draft is coming up, um, quicker and quicker and, uh, we, we couldn't be more excited about it. So how are you doing today, Derek? Man, uh, today's been, uh, been a really good day for me, so uh, I'm doing really well. I wanted to quickly just thank the uh, the Sens Twitter community and and the Twitter community as a whole just for uh, their support throughout uh, my journey. So I just quickly wanted to uh, to shout some people out for that. I can't shout everyone out individually, but I just want to thank you know so many people who have you know been by uh, by my side for this journey and, and sent you know so many messages. So uh, thank you so much for that, and uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing good, but I, I, I don't know that um, people are as interested in that as as they are in how you're doing. So, um, <laughs> I just wanted, yeah, I just, I just wanted to um, check in. I guess it sounds like you got some positive news today, um, which is awesome. We don't need to dig too too much into that, but um, I, you know what? Like, just all of this feels really surreal to be able to um, be back and and be talking about um, hockey and about the Senators again and uh, with you. And and um, I'm, I'm really happy that um that we're able to do this yeah absolutely i mean this stuff is so much bigger than hockey and uh you know with the positive news that uh, that we got today it sort of afforded me the ability to come on and and chat hockey for a little bit and sort of distract myself from the roller coaster of emotions that uh that i've been on during this journey so uh so yeah thank you to you brennan and to, to everybody who's been along for the ride Awesome, yeah. No, the the community is uh, is definitely impressive and uh, something that I I was uh, very amazed to be able to to witness and be able to see and just the constant ongoing support and yeah, man, like you're definitely um, a lot a lot of people have your back and are rooting for you and Jada. So um, it's it's good. I'm I'm uh, happy to hear that things are trending in the the a good direction, even if it, it's um, bit by bit. Um, so with that being said. Um, I guess, you know what, before, uh, before we get into the hockey stuff, we will, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, that, that absolute gong show of a hugging match that happened last night. So, um, I know, I don't know, I, like, I personally did not watch any of the Floyd Mayweather, um, <laughs> at all. Um, because yeah, I just, I, I can't stand, um, Jake Paul. Like I, I think, uh, I, I might've smashed my TV if I had to watch that guy on the screen, just, just watching the, um, the Instagram videos were brutal enough. Um, but yeah, so I guess like on, on that note as well, um, if you are into, into fights that maybe aren't fixed so much as that <laughs> one, um, or, or into betting at all. Um, also, um, so, so with our sponsor, um, DraftKings. So, um, just wanted to, to mention that um, if you download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN, um, you get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. Um, and that's promo code THPN. And you get a shot at millions of dollars in, on prizes. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know um, if there's some more 
advantageous opportunities out there um, versus that fight. I feel like not having any judges makes it a bit t- tough to throw down a fantasy lineup on. But um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's some good things on DraftKings. So definitely check that out. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't even classify that as a fight, Brennan. That was just uh, that was just it. Floyd Mayweather said it best himself. He said he was just basically robbing the bank legally. And uh, that's what he did yesterday. It was just uh, just awful to watch. Yeah, he just wants to put food on the table, apparently, which I think is really <laughs> hilarious. I don't yeah. know. They're Billions of dollars that. isn't enough to put food on the table, apparently. But gold, uh, gold-plated rice, I guess. So, um, <laughs> but no. With, with that being said, um, I'm curious, Derek. Did were you able to watch any of um, the IIHF stuff? Like, since you've been, um, did you watch Car Brown, Nick Paul, um, Bromance of the Century? It seems. Uh, really, I feel like Sens fans are some of the most jacked about that tournament. Like, I can't say it's ever really been um, like a, a, a tournament that I've really followed that closely because, like, just like we we ice um, hands down, like not our best team like i would say that i don't none of those guys would be on our olympic team right so it's kind of one of those things but um this year is definitely a little bit special especially with how they started and yeah just uh your opinions on that and, and how you felt the sense did yeah i mean going from zero and three to start the tournament i think they were um you know i followed along i wasn't able to watch um a lot of the games live um like you you know it's not a tournament that i really followed super hard in the past but i think with the positivity that um, the Sens ended their season off with. I think a lot of Sens fans were still sort of starving for for Sens-related hockey. And I think that's why so many people connected with that tournament. And then, of course, we had, you know, a number of uh, Sens players, three Sens players on the team and and some staff as well. Um, So it it was a cool story to follow, and it ended in, like, the best way possible. So um, such a cool ending to that tournament. Um, the, the best part for me was uh, something that you posted earlier on Twitter, uh, and it was just Connor Brown, like just that genuine uh, sort of excitement. And he looked like a kid playing hockey again. And I think he mentioned something along the lines of, you know, this is this is me just sort of loving hockey again, uh, genuinely. And, and the smile on his face, it was just uh, just a great moment. It, it uh, put a smile on my face. Yeah, I, I, I love that video. I, I um was honestly like it's funny like i at the beginning of the season like i wouldn't say i was calling for connor brown's head but i i was definitely happy that we resigned him because he's just such a versatile player he can go on the penalty kill like he, he can play with top guys and like you do have to have those like veteran guys to be able to insul- insulate players and like he's on a really team-friendly contract like even like before he played this year like his contract's looking a bit like a steal now um but before going into this year like it was pretty good money for like what he had done. And I was like, yeah, like he definitely had like proven himself, but like by no means was he like a standout to me. Like I would have been fine with him, like playing on the third line being gone like three years from now. But like, man, he has like, uh, he, he has really put like a special, like he has built a place in my heart, like watching this guy. And like, yeah, just like that video that I, I shared that I was like, um, that you were talking about before as well. And like just him getting sprayed with champagne and um, just him having fun with hockey again. And like, I think that that also really speaks a lot to the culture uh, of the Sens. Like, I think like for him to say that, like, I'm not going to insinuate and say that, Oh, like, you know, now he's having fun. He wasn't having fun under Babcock in Toronto and, and go, go down that slope. But oh, come um, on, say it. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
it, it does just go to show that like that room that they're in right now, like those guys that they're playing with right now, like they're, they're having a good time. Like they're enjoying showing up to the rink. Um, they're enjoying being on the ice. And, and, uh, and I think that that speaks volumes, like to be able to, to be in that. And like, also like for them to want to go over and continue to play hockey and like, like, uh, because this tournament, it's like, you play a season, especially this season where it's like COVID and like you are so limited with what you're able to do. Like if you're on the road, like it must have felt really long, even if it was a shortened season. So I think for for them to be able to go over like him, Nick Paul and, and JBD um, to go over and continue to play and, and um, have that time. Like it just just goes to show like how much they're they're really just enjoying the sport and also like how how close they are together and yeah nick paul is another one that like he just continues to get better and better and like it, i i love it like his skating stride makes absolutely no sense to me but like <laughs> he is he is just like such a hard worker and like he's just really that kind of guy that you want to root for and um just a, a good vet to have on your team even though like these vets that we're talking about are like 95 and 94 birthdays yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we talked about Connor Brown, I think the last episode in depth and just about how he sort of continues to to develop at 27 years old. Like he just never really stopped developing. And uh, Nick Paul's another one, like another sort of late bloomer that, you know, he's been around for a long time and he's just never really stopped developing. Like he's still sort of learning and getting better. And I think, you know, confidence and that positivity at the end of the year, I think that's what sort of enticed these guys to go over and play more hockey. Because like you said, in a year like this, where you're already sort of restricted from friends and family, I don't know what it would take for, you know, if I was in that circumstance for convincing me to go and play more hockey um, and go overseas and play hockey like that. But yeah, uh, kudos to Nick Paul. And, uh, and Connor Brown and JBD too, who, you know, came over late at the end of the year and he had a bu busy season too with some injuries and everything else. Um, so it was just, as a Sens fan, that was uh, amazing to see another sort of, you know, positive end to the season. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Like, yeah, I think that that's just it. Like, I think a lot of us almost treated this as like going on like a Stanley Cup run because th them winning that gold medal, like we were just all, all behind them and, and rooting them on. And um, no, it was it was really it was awesome to see. And I think, yeah, like just not having any. Well, there there is like there's a lot of good quality playoff hockey, but not having any Senators hockey. It was kind of a, a cool thing to be able to get behind because we can continue to watch these players that we're, we're really starting to um enjoy and cheer on and and yeah and it's it's just it's awesome like i i haven't seen this kind of support for the ottawa senators in so long like it's like i i remember that love that people had for carlson and i remember that love that people had for like mark stone and and those guys when when they were around but like something honestly feels different this time like it it honestly reminds me a little bit more of like um like the spezza alfredson like that that kind of those kind of days when there's just so much hope and like so much like attachment to these players and like, Oh, like I just feel like we're kind of on the brink of something special. And like, we're, we're really identifying that. And a lot of people have really um, kind of, kind of realized it and um, fans are ready. And you know what, maybe that bit of suffering that we had helps with it a bit. Like maybe after we, we went through all that pain, we're like, okay, like to, to be able to have something to love again, like <laughs> we really jump onto it. No, absolutely. And and it could be like, it could speak to that sort of desperation. Like I, I'm just sort of, you know, I'm, I'm in on the bandwagon for sure. I think this is definitely a team that is oozing with young depth now. 
Um, you know, I'm sort of on the fence when it comes to the skill of the team. Like I'm, I'm still sort of like, you know, looking at some other teams that are at the very top of the league, like the Colorado Avalanche. And I'm looking at sort of what the senators have in their system system. And I'm saying, you know, how is this team going to compete with that team sort of thing? And I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, but they're building something special. Um, and I think that's evident by just the, the locker room in general, like that, that locker room, they're happy no matter what, like it even seemed at the start of the year when nothing was going right, they were still out there having fun and working their asses off. And I think, you know, that speaks volumes to some of the characters that are in that locker room. And I know that's one of those cringy words that, uh, that we hate tossing around character, but it's a real thing. And, uh, you know, I think Pierre Dorian's done a nice job of, of building a room full of character. Definitely no lack of character. Um, we're, we're a team and uh, of high character guys. No, yeah, it's 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 so true though. Like, um, it, and I, I do think that that um, it, it just goes to show. And when when you look at those teams, like, I, just because you brought it up, and we are in playoffs right now, and um, kind of we kind of have to talk about it. Like, watching the Colorado Avalanche, mind you, the last two or three games, it seems like yeah, Vegas. Just, they're coming back. <laughs> they were giving them a run. Like I still, like I still think, like Colorado is still my favorite to win the cup. Yeah, um, and they're. I mean, like I'm a bit biased because, like, they are have always kind of been like my second favorite team. Um, but like, it's true when you when you look at a team like that, or like even what Tampa is right now. I don't know if Tampa is still going to be as scary like four or five years from now, just as like some of their guys start to age. Yeah, um, the cap, the salary cap situation too. Oh, do they do they follow that? Because I thought that they just don't. I, <laughs> yeah, they circumvent it the whole time anyway. Who cares? I thought yeah. that they're like, okay, we're gonna sit you and you this year. Yeah. <laughs> Next year is gonna be Stamkos, yeah. and you're injured. <laughs> yeah, how's your knee? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I um, but yeah, like with with the Avs, it's it is scary. Like they're and like they don't even have Bowen Byram playing. Like and, and Byram is legitimate like he's going to be a top pairing defenseman um and like they yeah like and sam gerard is solid they have a lot of guys on team friendly deals it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with lannis goggin yeah like i mean like i do think that they're kind of going to be like that top tier and like it's going to be really difficult um to to reach that um but like at the same time i don't think it's impossible i think that like the sends would probably like definitely be built different um they're gonna have to win in different ways but um But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, speaking of which, though, I guess like while we're talking about building this dynasty and and the, yeah. the next big pieces, <laughs> so one thing one thing that um, you and I haven't really gotten a chance to speak about, um, and I'm kind of going off script here. So let's do I, it. <laughs> I want to I want to throw it at you, and I want to get your thoughts because it's something that I'm I'm really serious about. Um, so okay. at tenth overall, I would absolutely love. For the Ottawa Senators to select Jasper Wallstead. I would love it. There's nothing <laughs> either actually there's one other thing I would like more. It'd probably be if they took Fabio and myself. Like that, okay. Way, okay. that would be we're gonna okay. agree on that one. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That kid is <laughs> special. Um, but Jasper Wallstead is is my guy at 10 if he's there. And the reason why I say that is just from like my own bare bones amount of scouting um that i'm able to do and that like i have done over the past years like watching spencer knight who i thought was incredible coming into his draft year watching askarov who 
I wasn't a huge fan of, honestly. Like, I don't love the way that he plays. I feel like he comes out quite a bit. Um, I feel like Wallstead is the best. Uh, of the last three three years, he is this guy. Um, he had put up very solid numbers in the SHL as an 18-year-old, which doesn't happen. He he's already a starter in the SHL. Like he he's only going to continue to get better. I think that he's probably three to four years away at least from being an NHL starter, which I also think would work out really well in terms of Ottawa's line because it's like okay, so we can have Gustafson or Decord. Hopefully, we don't lose one of them. Hopefully, we have both. Um, I don't love our chances, but if, if we were able to have both of them, Man- Mandelisi. Um, I mean, Sogard's looking like making a pretty good case for himself. I understand that the depth is there, but I'm just saying that three to four years from now, all of a sudden we can be in a position where we bring in this guy um, on, on an entry level deal and we could end up having one of the top three best goalies in the NHL um, down the road. And I, I truly believe that. I, I hear you. Like, I hear what you're saying. I mean, goaltending can definitely take you places if we look at, you know, the Montreal situation right now and Carey Price sort of standing on his head for them. Um, but but honestly, Brennan, I don't know. This is one that I just can't, I can't agree with you on. Um, I'm a, you know, I, I'm hard, sort of hard-lined on the whole don't draft a goalie in the first round even. So to take a goalie, at 10th overall, I mean, you have to be damn sure that this guy is going to be like a franchise-altering goaltender in my mind. And I just don't know. With goaltenders, I don't know. It's like voodoo. I, I don't know if you can do that. I, I just think, you know, you need to see so much more. I was convinced Askarov was amazing. You know, having uh, heard from, you know, some of the scouts like Brad Allen talking about Askarov and you know how amazing he was last year and then seeing him at the world juniors I was like man this guy first off he can't hold his stick and and second off he's you know overplaying everything he was he's very athletic but he was sliding you know well well beyond the puck kind of like Hogberg and uh, yeah (laughs) yeah man I I don't know Wellstat that's uh I haven't scouted him much I'll be honest probably seen a couple of highlight videos and I've heard, yeah, I've heard scouts raving about him, saying that he's the real deal and all that. But but I've heard the same thing before with goaltenders. And I don't know, I look back at, you know, I, I wish I could pull up some history right now sort of on the fly. But I'd like to look back at sort of the last 10 years and just look at the first round to see what goaltenders were selected in the first round. I know we could think of a few of the really good ones, you know, Carey Price and, and Vasilevsky. Um but, uh, but, you know, what goaltenders were selected in the first round that didn't really work out? You know, so, I know. So, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I'm just rambling about, you know, why, <laughs> why I think it's a mistake to select a goalie even in the first round, let alone 10th overall. I think you'd be missing on a, a player that you could really add to your, uh, to your core. And you spoke about the depth that Ottawa already has. I mean, I think Sogard, you know, it's super impressive what he did at the tail end of last year. It's a small sample size, but, you know, he was very impressive. And and Gustafson had one of the best save percentages in the entire NHL, small sample size again. So, you know, don't really ride home on that, but, uh, but there's some good goaltenders in the, in the system. So this is so kind of like my rationale for it. Um, it like the reason that like I've kind of thought about this like through and through. And, and there, there's a few things to consider. So the first thing I think is that if um, Ottawa, like Ottawa would need to be very sure 
of Wallstead if they're going to take him 10th overall. Like they, they have to know that he's the real deal. Like there's, this would never happen. They like this team would never take a swing like that if they weren't extremely sure. And like, I do think that they would have to be extremely confident. And I know that they kind of follow like a, a, um, they have a bit of a recipe when drafting goalies because that's what the, like Trent Mann talked about that when they took Levi uh, Merlin. Merlin, yeah. Merlin. And like, he's there, like, he was the only one that fit our recipe. And everyone was like, this guy wasn't even rated. Like, what are you doing? Um, and now we're like, pretty good though. <laughs> looks, looks pretty solid. Looks yep. like another, another contender. Um, so yeah. So first of all, like, I think that they would have to be really sure. But the big thing for me is that, okay, so first of all, this is a year where we don't have a positional need. This is probably the first year where there's not a glaring gap. Like, okay, yeah, like first line center, potentially. And you're not getting that in this draft anyway, so. Well, they're not. And like, you could maybe say right defenseman, but like, I don't really like the options for right D. Um, I mean, I don't even really like Brent Clark. I might get like thrown off a bus if someone hears me say that. (laughs) Um, Like, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that one. so like you you take those two into account and then like okay so right wing like right wing would maybe be a positional need but like there's no glaring hole so for me it's like okay well if there's a year to do it or a time to do it this would be a time to take a swing and the other side of that is that i don't think that there's a ton of players in this draft that have uh like superstar or even like all-star like top line potential like i i don't i think that there's a lot of solid players um a lot of top six players probably like a lot of middle six players and in in that 10 range depending on who's gone wallstead might honestly be the best bet because if let's say that fabio myself wasn't there let's say that kent johnson isn't there because i i do think kent johnson has that boom bust kind of potential um and so like let's say and let's say mctavish was gone as well um, I just feel like you, we wouldn't have um, a, a lot of elite options. And I think that Wallstead would be the most elite of that option because you could potentially get like a top five goalie. I hear you, but I still see like Chaz, you know, Chaz would be hanging around if that were the case and those guys were drafted or uh, even a guy like Dylan Gunther, who I wasn't really impressed with whatsoever. And Nick is joining us. Oh, hey, oh, what's up, boys? How's it going? Good. Uh, Brennan is is making his case for drafting uh, Wallstead at 10th yeah. overall, Nick. I'm yeah, not I, sure. I've been I, listening, and I, I'm for right. it. I agree with you, Brennan. I love the, okay. the Swedish okay. goalie. Um, like, I, I think Ross commented on, on the podcast. He says he's he's the most NHL-ready uh, player in this year's draft, and I agree. I mean, I mean – from what I've seen, this guy's huge. I mean, he could be an elite goalie. And when do you have the chance to draft like such a, a talented goalie? And I mean, I feel like that's what we're almost lacking in terms of our prospect depth chart. Our goalies, we don't have that number one guy who predicts to be like super great. So, I mean, hey, I, I, I do it. And uh, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, Derek, though. But uh, yeah, but he's and Ross, I say, Ross I doesn't agree. count because he's a goalie. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you his go, opinion yeah. doesn't count in this if you're a goalie you're going to be biased you know <laughs> yeah so you're saying that like, you think that the chaz lucius and the uh dylan guthers if they're there you're thinking that take, a, take a swing on one of those guys honestly or you know god forbid like someone like S- simon edvinson or someone falls like that i mean if, if that happened that would be to me that would be the ultimate home run like you get a guy like that that you can add, and then it 
it creates, um, you know, a scenario where you're sort of weaning someone out. You know, if you get uh, Seaman at Edvinson, um, you know, it's it's sort of adios to Eric Brandstrom. You don't want to say it, but it, that allows you to bring someone else in. You know, that's not the same with a goaltender. You you acquire another goaltender, you're not really getting much for Gustafson, who hasn't proved himself, or Decord, who hasn't proved himself. And there isn't a huge market for goaltenders like there is for you know, young defensemen or goal or, or uh, forwards. Yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't have the same trade value. And like, I, I definitely, I, I am with you on that. Um, I, I just think like for me, I, I just feel that he is of that, like he's in that caliber and in that um, elite level that I would only put like a handful of players in this draft in that tier. I would like, I, I'm not a big Owen Power fan, but I would probably put him in that tier just because of what he could be. Um, and then I think like, I would probably put like Eklund in that tier. Um, and I yeah. would probably like, I wouldn't even, I don't think I would have like Matt Beniers in that tier. He'd probably be in a tier below and, and Fabian Lysel would be in that tier. Um, and so I, I think like, for me, it's just that, like, I just see him as like, just such a standout. And, and like, I know that like, we can get into this whole, like, okay, but goalie, like goalies don't win championships. We've been seeing that like goalies don't win championships when St. Louis won their cup. If they didn't have Jordan Bingington, they they wouldn't even made the playoffs. Let alone win that cup. Like they like like I don't like Jordan Bingington, but like he won them that cup. He was so good for those playoffs. And like I get it, I get, I get that any goalie can turn that on. Um, but to have like a Carey Price or a Vasilevsky where you're getting that like um, almost every game, or like just a, a goalie that like is going to manufacture wins. Marc Andre Fleury has he ever missed the playoffs? I don't, I don't know that Flurry's ever been on a team that he hasn't been in the playoffs. Like if it has, it's been like a handful of times. And like, um, I know like, like flower, flower is legit. Like I, I love the guy yeah. for various reasons, mostly because he's smiling all the time. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I just feel like it's like, like uh, it's quite easy to be like, Oh, well like, like, cause you can't, you can win a, a cup without a goalie. Like you, you can have a, like a good goalie, a starter and win a cup. It's possible, but like, I just, I just feel like that's one thing that can also steal you games. Um, and it's just going to kind of like push you to that next level when um, like in a regular season, or it might even just maybe get you into that playoff spot, or maybe it'll get you home ice if your goalie steals you a few more games during the regular season. So I'm not in any way doubting what we have in the pipeline. I, I truly am very high on, on a lot of our goaltending prospects. And like, there are a lot of them. Um, but I just think that like, if you have the option to take like a cream of the crop guy, um, I, I would love to do it, but that's what me. About, what about trading the pick though? Like, are you guys for that? Like, what's your thoughts on like trading the pick, even trading down or trading up or just trading it for a player? I mean, what do you guys hope to see it's so it's so it really depends on what that trade would be like i, I don't want to see them move that pick for let's say like even a player like claude Giroux, who's you know still got some some game left in him. i don't i don't want to see a, a trade come in for a player who's gonna sort of get you you know over the the, the playoff bubble um it, i want it to be a, a trade that's going to impact them you know for the long term if you're trading a 10th overall pick because I know it's not the strongest draft, guys, but it's still a 10th overall pick. This is still, you know, you still have a lot of potential with this player that, you know, that they could be getting. And um, so I, I think it's it's dangerous when you're trading a top 10 pick. I I mm -hmm. would not 
trade it um, for for a few reasons. I think that the I actually really like that they're picking tenth. I think that that tenth spot is, is going to be a really good place this year um, because I think that there's like anywhere from like eleven to twelve players who are have a really good shot at being like very good NHLers. And Ottawa is either going to have one of those guys fall to them or they're going to take their favorite guy in kind of like that 10 to 20 tier that they're most confident in, which I feel like they they have done in the past. They tend to do a bit. Sometimes they'll, they'll take guys a little earlier than a lot of people think that they should. Um, and I think for that reason, um, I, I really like that 10th pick because either they're going to get their choice at that guy who's kind of in that 10 to 20 range or someone's going to follow them from that like 1 to 10 range who – who's going to be a real player. Like, I, I mean, like looking at the, the draft class this year, like, I think like I, I tweeted something and like just listed out kind of like, or I could do it now. Like we could do uh power Gunther, Brant Clark, um, Eklund, Edvinson. Um, I mean, I, I love the goalie. So <laughs> I'm going to go wall <laughs> said um, Luke Hughes. And then like, I mean, the list, sorry, Veneers, Ken Johnson, um, and then and he didn't even name sell yet, and we don't even we don't even have number one. <laughs> I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna forget. Um, so I just mean like like you, we could very easily have one of those guys, and any of those guys um, have potential to be to be really really strong players. And I think another thing that we have to look at, which um, I, I like, I actually hadn't really realized until um, about like a week ago when I was digging into their cap friendly. Ottawa isn't in as good of a, a cap situation as, as I like to pretend. Like as of right now, obviously we have money to burn. Um, and I think like over the next couple of years, we're going to have money to burn. But like when you look at all the players that are kind of like turning into full-time NHLers and like mm-hmm. that are producing earlier, like you look at Josh Norris, you look at Drake Batherson and like, it was awesome to see them have these breakthrough years, but that also just means that they're getting paid sooner. Like that just means that now Drake Batherson can be like, Hey, I'm getting 5 million a year. Like, it's it's one of those things where now that these these guys are turning into NHLers, we really have to have that money available, and like we also want to make sure that like we have that money available for um, the Sanderson and, and Stutzel when their contracts come up. So, um, I, I in my opinion, you keep it. I think that like having another top prospect that's going to be able to come in that we can put off paying for a bit is going to be extremely valuable. Um, but I mean, like, I definitely see where the argument is um, for, for because eventually we are going to have to trade some of our assets um, to bring in some some better quality players. Like we need to get that um, top pairing right D and uh, we, we might even still need that first line center. So and speaking of our cap situation, Derek, you actually brought that up on the timeline. Of, I think today, speaking of Colin White, I mean, yeah. look, all these guys are going to get paid. And I look at Colin White and just our depth chart on center right now. Um, that's that's a guy who's going to have to go sooner than later, I think, just because yeah. I think his trade value is only going to get worse. I mean, um, so I, I don't know what happens with that. But like you're saying, I mean, yeah, there, there, there's some guys that just absolutely need to move. And I don't know if trading the 10th pick for some big contract will benefit them if they can't move on from guys like Colin White or even Zaitsev's contract for that matter. So um, things to look out for. But um, what are you guys thinking of Colin White? Like, do you guys think He's here to stay, or do you think we'll we'll end up flipping him uh, for something? It, it's tough, right? Because I like Colin White the person, and I think he fits in with the locker room. Like you could see that he's like best friends with Shabbat, and you know he really does fit in with the room, and and they seem to really like him. But but the the contract is a problem. 
like they kind of backed themselves into a corner a little bit mm. and they were banking on Colin White being a different player. And you, you just can't afford to pay a fourth line player that much money with that much term. So if they can get Seattle to take Colin White, I think that would be best case scenario. As much as I want to see Chris Tierney get taken, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think Colin White's more of a priority there. Yeah. So would you would you give up a pick to move that contract to Seattle? Like, what would you be willing yeah. to give up? Yeah, I, I would honestly, I would, I would give up a second to to see him move to Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's tempting for them too, getting a young player in Colin White who could, you know, have the potential to turn it around too. So, um, no, that's, I mean, that's what you're saying, right? Like, he still has value right now. You could move on from Colin White right now, and he still yeah. has a little bit of perceived value, but. If you wait any longer and we see the same version of Colin White next year with the injury troubles and everything else, you know, you're, you're entering some scary uh, territory when you're when you're talking down the road. You're looking at re-upping some of the guys that you need to, you know, Sanderson down the road and Stutzla down the road, some of these important pieces. And that could that could ultimately block you from acquiring that next piece to sort of, you know, put you over the top. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a bit, I mean, it's a bit of a tough one. Like, I, I think that Seattle is definitely going to have their eyes on Dak. Like, I, I think that, I think Decord is going to yeah. be um, going to Seattle. Like, I, I just, but maybe that's a player that they'd be willing to take on, like, w with a pick anyways, because, like, um, I, I've seen some speculation that they're going to try to be, like, a cap floor team um, for the first little bit, like, like kind of take, like, a very different approach than Vegas did. Um, but but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like, I, I you would think, that that is the kind of guy that like a team would want to like take a chance on because like the thing for me is that like I don't know that Colin White isn't going to be like a legitimate like second line player like I could see him turning into a solid player like a solid two-way player and like I know that that's kind of what our hope has been for a while but maybe like with the change of scenery um look at how many guys like went to Vegas and with that change of scenery like we're able to blossom into um what everyone had hoped they want we're going to turn into or like something even better so um yeah like i mean i could totally see it but but yeah i get what you're saying and i think also an important thing to remember is that like we talk about like these friendships and these bonds that these players have like we talk about shabbat and and uh i i know like if we we're playing like a game of nhl 21 and we we're moving these guys like the morale in the room would just go to trash hey. but the the <laughs> issue is that like you there's no way we're going to be able to keep all these players like they're at some point like these guys um some of these guys are going to have to get moved on from and like um it, it's it's just and it's not even going to be a matter of like them not even necessarily being good players or maybe there's just better fits but it's like there's a there's a real chance that Sokolov might not make the nhl like i i love Sokolov and i think he will but it's like everyone always talks about like the oh but you have drake and igor like um, even like the Norris and, and uh, Brady thing, like it's like I would never want to see them broken up because like I know that they're best friends and like I know that they have that friendship with with Tim as well. But like at some point down the road, like keeping all of these players who are close, like it, it's just not possible. So um, I, I do I do think it's hard, but it's one of those things too where it's like yeah, we have to be realistic. And even if Shabbat and and Whitey are, are good buddies, like um, it, at some point some of these guys are going to have to go. Yeah, it's yeah. it's finding the, the balance, right, between the business side of things and the human side of, of things. And I think that's that's what you sort of hit on right there, Brennan, is is finding that balance because it is a bit of a balancing act and it on like there's no doubt that it'll have an impact if they move on from Colin White. 
you'll probably get, you know, maybe Shabbat won't be as happy at first, but I, I'm sure they'll be able to realize that, you know, it's just part of the business and, you know, for the long-term sort of um, compete level of the team, it, it's something that they might have to look at doing, but you're also right in that, you know, some players develop differently. And we talked about that earlier in the show with Nick Paul and Connor Brown, like maybe you're right, maybe Colin White, just needs another year to find who he really is and, and confidence does crazy things for people. Mm -hmm. Look sure. at Logan Paul. I mean, the guy's so confident. He thinks he can fight with Floyd Mayweather. He <laughs> <laughs> can think, think he won. He thinks he won. That was yeah. not good. Eh? <laughs> oh man. Um, um, so, yeah, so, I guess like with that, with that being said, I kind of want to turn a little bit back to the draft coverage. If you guys are, are cool with that, because um, yeah. Derek, I know like I spoke to you earlier this week and uh, I tweeted something out as well um, yeah. about a guy that I really, really think that the Sanders could be targeting in this year's draft. And um, so I think like something that I just want to bring up right now, like just as I, I talk about this guy and maybe a few other players, like I, I kind of want to focus on players who we could see the Ottawa Senators taking. So I, I don't think that there's any secret that Ottawa um, goes about drafting a, a little differently than like internet scouts may, may uh, want them to. Like, I, I think like personally last year, like I do did not believe that they were going to take Lucas Raymond with that fifth overall pick. And like, I know when they took Sanderson, a lot of people really scratched their heads and were like, what, what's going on. But like, if we're being honest, like Sanderson really followed Ottawa's draft kind of motto. Like, like he was a, a player who um, his development curve is kind of through the roof. He brings a lot of those like different tangible skills. Um, and he has a lot of, a lot of things to grow his game into good, good hockey bloodlines, good size. Um, so for me, a player that I see like that this year um, is Cole Sillinger. And um, Cole Sillinger has had a few knocks on his game. Um, some people question his skating mm -hmm. other people, question his defensive ability um but but in all honesty like he has one hell of a shot he has a cannon he is a great playmaker like he is um like he, he can shoot well great playmaker and he throws the body around um and he has a lot of bodies 200 pounds um late birthday is 2003 birthday um so i think that there's just a lot of things there that i i could really see the ottawa senators liking i know we saw a tweet today mike sillinger played uh 13 games for the Sens, so <laughs> maybe a bit of a connection there as well but, um and this is a guy that the Sens would have had a really good look at because he played last year with mad sogard um in the whl so i'm just curious what um what your guys thoughts are on on sillinger and um on him being a likely ottawa senators pick or the, the kind of guy that they're probably paying special attention to yeah go ahead nick i, I think i sort of went off on twitter uh, on this earlier so i'll let you go first yeah i don't know too much about him i i did see a little bit of of his highlights. I saw that he played in the USHL, which I think, you know, the Sens are tempted in, in picking in. Um, I mean, that's a good league. They had a good year this year too. So he actually put up good numbers as well. So um, of the year. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think he actually, I mean, he does fit the bill as a Sens type of player. I mean, um, especially if he's a high character guy too. I mean, you yeah. can't write that off, but <laughs> um, I, I like to pick and I wouldn't be too mad depending who else is on the board. Um, I do think there's better players at number 10, depending who slips. Uh, I, I wouldn't be mad, no. And especially with the talk about moving down potentially, um, maybe, you know, if they move down and pick a guy like him who's still on the board and get something else out of it, 
I'd be ecstatic. I think that'd be great. Um, but again, I'm more of a McTavish guy, I think, I believe, for, for number 10. I think he just fits the bill. But again, uh, Cole Smith would be a good pickup, I think, for sure. Yeah, it's hard, Nick, uh, when you get sold on one guy, like you get that narrow sort of focus. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that with Lissell. But uh, yeah. but I also, you know, at the back of my mind, I, I sort of know that he's not the most uh, senators likely to be, you know, a sense pick. Um, but but mm-hmm. when Brendan brought up Cole Sillinger, um, he wasn't someone at the forefront for me. Um, but until I started digging in a little bit more, um, you know, into his game and then and seeing some of the things that that you mentioned, Brendan, you know, the USHL connection, the the hockey bloodlines, which is you know just that running theme that they seem to do, but it's working out for them. Um, and, and he's a player. He's a shoot first sort of player. He has an excellent shot. He's a, but he also can make plays. You know, that's what people forget. And, and, and people tend to categorize players a little too much, especially draft uh, prospects. You know, as soon as a guy's, you know, deemed as a shoot first guy or he has more goals and assists, you sort of put him in this like sniper category and you get that focus where you, you think this guy can't make a play to save his life. But I don't think that's the case at all for Cole Sillinger. Mm. And I think, you know, you, you just made a lot of solid points, Brennan, when you brought that up and it got the wheels turning for me. And, and I started thinking like, man, I, I think you're onto something here. I think this is maybe one of the most likely Ottawa senators uh, draft picks. Yeah, I, I mean, and and that's just it. Like, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, he doesn't stand out to me. Like when I when I watch his highlights, like I'm not looking at this guy and I'm like, oh my God, if, if Ottawa doesn't take him at 10, like I'm going to throw my TV. Like it, not, <laughs> not even lately. Like I'm I'm definitely more guilty of that with Fabian Lysel. Like he he's the kind of guy that I'm like, please, like please take this guy because he is dynamic and there is very few players that play the game that he does. And like, for us to have an opportunity to have a player like that, he would he would just fit the team really well. But I just think like I, I it really does seem like there's these recipes and formulas that Trent Mann and staff love to follow on, on drafts, and like the hockey bloodlines is very clearly one of them. Um, with just so many guys who who like that you look at are like Batherson Norris to Chuck, like all all of those uh, dads played at least professional level hockey. Um, two of them in the NHL, and then it's like Sanderson. Similar thing, Ridley Gregg, similar thing. You look at um, Logan Brown. I mean, he didn't work out or hasn't worked out yet, um, but similar thing. I don't think he does work out at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think he might get hurt if he tries lifting the weight. So. No, just kidding. Yeah, I right know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so like, yeah, and, and I just think that it's one of those things where it's like um, they, they very clearly value that, um, and they also very clearly value size. Like, I – Ridley Gregg, what I was um, almost even surprised that they took, but like I think that the reason they did is because he plays so big and like he yeah. plays so hard. Um, but like aside from that, like they they really do value size. They they don't uh, typically take a lot of small small players, and um, they want guys who compete hard. And I do think Cole Sillinger has a good motor. Um, I think sometimes he doesn't back check, but like his team finished in last place in the USH, USA USHL this year. Um, and, and I think maybe he was just a little disengaged in terms of like the defensive play and everything, because, um, well, it can be a bit hard when you're, um, like hands down the best player on the ice and, and, uh, your, your team, uh, isn't, isn't doing much. So I don't know, like, I, I think like there's a maturity factor there and like, I don't think that he's like ready for the NHL at all 
um, yet. I think he would be be a bit away, but um, I, I just think he, he seems like very much of an Ottawa pick. Um, another guy that I, I do think could be um, an Ottawa pick would, would definitely be McTavish, though. Um, and I think for like a lot of very similar reasons, um, local boy, bloodlines. Um, and like, I think, I, I think he's actually a better player if you compare them side by side. I think like what McTavish has been able to do, I think that he's slightly, a slightly better goal scorer. Um, I, I question both of their skating. So it's kind of hard to make a decision on that, but like just McTavish's strength and everything is a bit bigger. Um, I, I would love to see him there. And I guess, what are, what are your guys thoughts? Do you also think that that's the kind of guy that they might be targeting? I think so. Just based off like how much of the fit he is here. I mean, he's from the community. I mean, I don't know how much weight you could put in that, but it does matter. I think in the end, just the fact that he has roots here, I think it, it is important to scouts as well. Um, he had a good year and he actually shined at the U18s. And I mean, he had a fantastic tournament. I think that's why his his draft stock went up so much. Um, but for me, you know, I, I like him just the way he, he plays and he has a heck of a shot, which, um, you know, right now at 10, I'm thinking, okay, what are we missing really on our team? And for me, it's an elite guy, someone who could put the puck in the back of the net. I think we have a lot of decent guys who, who you know, will do a lot, but we're missing like that elite uh, skill, which I, again, I don't think McTavish is, but I think with that shot and he can create a lot with it. So, um, I I'm thinking that maybe they lean on him if he's there at 10, just based off the fact that he could, he could really get better, um, next year as well. And I think, you know, he's only gone better at the end of this year. So we don't know how next year is going to go, but, um, I'm feeling pretty strong on him. And I think the sense do too, just based off the fact that, you know, he plays a certain style that they like. And I mean, also he's got the same birthday as uh, Shabbat and Whitey, so I mean, you've got to grab him <laughs> just for that. But uh, no, I, I like his shot, and I think it's uh, it's it's dangerous, and it's a good attribute to uh, to have on this team for sure. Yeah, that Mason McTavish is a mature kid. Like he he plays the game. He plays like a bulldog style. Um, I think you know a lot of people compare him to Ryan O'Reilly, perhaps at his ceiling. Um, and then at, at his floor, maybe maybe Curtis Lazar. I don't want to say it out loud, but you know <laughs> it, it's a it's a possibility. Or maybe Colin White, you know, like someone like that. But uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'd be I'd be happy with either pick, to be honest. I will mention that uh, Simmer seems to have maybe some inside information. Maybe not. He some you know he puts a lot of stuff out there, but he did say that um, the Senators are sort of sneakishly high on. Uh, a European player that's not really on anyone's radar. So I'm sort of curious as to who that player might be. I had a couple of guesses just based on the U18s. There's a couple of Swedes that uh, that caught my eye, uh, and I know you guys probably seen them as well, but uh, but not to the point where I would draft them at 10th overall. But uh, Isaac Rosen is one of them, and uh, you know he's sort of a, a grittier style player too that gets hard to the net. Um, plays a really similar style to the two players we just mentioned. And uh, and the other one is uh, Stromgren uh, on, on Sweden as well. And I think they're, you know, they're more sort of forecasted to be at the end of the first round. So if Ottawa took a swing at 10, I would be kind of surprised and kind of disappointed by it, to be honest. Um, but if, if they highlight... What if it was Florian uh, Florian Elias? Would would you be mad? <laughs> I, I know you're, you're saying we're high. 
He's an overrated. Other than the fifth round, I think I would be mad. Yeah, like, yeah of course. Of course. <laughs> He's an overager that you could get later on, but I would love to see uh, Florian Elias come come and be a member of the centers. He he was really impressive in that World Juniors with uh, yeah. Timmy. So it would be nice to get someone for Timmy. You know, we all wanted JJ for Timmy, but if we can get Florian, I mean, we can get Flo Rida that over for for Timmy. That would be really nice. But uh, sure. but yeah, I thought it was funny that uh, Simmer mentioned that there's you know some sort of European player that they might be higher on than other teams that they might be willing to take a swing on. Well, and, one guy, you know, my hope is it's it's Lysel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be, that, that that would would be crazy. That would be the dream. Like if he, if he's not on other teams radars at that, that high of a point. Right. And like, it's funny because I feel like Lysel is going to be that guy who like, um, I'm trying to think of like who, who maybe would be a comparable last year. I want to say like Gunler. 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 Yeah. Gunler's a really good one because it's like, we really don't know. Like this guy could go top five um, or, or he could fall like all the way to like 15, like, 20. Yeah. Which like, I think is crazy, but like, I mean, it definitely is possible, especially when, guys like they go on runs and um some teams just don't have them ranked as high but um the one guy that i i have seen speculation about is um fyodor Shveshkov from mm. or Shveshkov from um russia and now mm-hmm. i i personally like have not spent a lot of time researching this guy i've, I've kind of just seen his name be thrown around by um twitter scouts whatever it might be but what i have seen from him is his defensive play is incredible like um from the limited bit that i have watched um and he puts up good points like he he put up uh really solid points at the u18 so um so yeah i i think that that might be one of those guys if, if we can't russia as uh being a part of europe and not being a part of asia then uh <laughs> um so yeah yeah, it's, it's really hard to identify, and it could have been just Simmer just sort of messing with people too, right? So <laughs> just getting us to talk about it and, and sort of waste our time on it, and they'll end up going with, you know, some Canadian kid or whatever, or American kid, but uh, but maybe not, you know? Sometimes, you know, some of the stuff that he said is sort of checked out, so, uh, so it is interesting to me, and it's anybody's guess, really, but... Yeah, and I think being high on someone and, like, going to take them is a very different situation as well. Like they, they could just have this guy ranked a little bit higher than, than most people do. So it sounds like it's a little open for speculation, but Hey, we know. Absolutely. And then, and then you enter a draft, right. And, and maybe a player that they had really ranked really high ends up falling to them. And then all of a sudden, you know, the player that you had at three falls to 10 and sort of falls right in your lap. So you know, that could definitely play itself out in this draft because there there is like that first probably bunch of 12 players that are separated by basically nothing. That's what I'm hoping for with Eklund. I hope he falls to number 10 because I think that would be just an incredible steal. Um, but oh, again, I mean, absolutely. Again, I, I don't think he falls. I think for he's arguably he could go number one if, if the team is looking for a forward. I mean, he's probably my favorite forward in this year's draft, but um that's well, my opinion right you, you he was better than alexander holtz this year like he was yeah yeah than him. <laughs> and, and if we're talking about sliding like you don't have to look far last year marco rossi who led like everybody in terms of point production he slid all the way to ninth so yeah. like it's possible for those undersized guys like Eklund. you know nhl teams they have a lot of sort of old school mentality and when they see that size 
they they really factor that in pretty hard and and sometimes sometimes it's it's rightfully so and sometimes it's not like you know we see some undersized players that are are really effective in today's NHL Mm-hmm. So one thing, um, so no, I know we're probably going to wrap up pretty soon. So one thing I just wanted to to drop before we do is, um, so we're looking at UFAs and, and we could go on um, a, a whole bunch of these right now, but in light of it being Victor Mete's birthday, um, I'm curious if either of you think that a, um, like what, what kind of deal you think will be get getting done with Victor Mete? I, I think it's inevitable that they sign him. Um, especially because he's an RFA, but I'm just curious what what uh, you think is a realistic deal for him, um, what you think he's looking for, and like what you would be happy with as as a fan. Yeah, I, I think one year, just under two million, is mm-hmm. is probably what the Senators are looking at. Uh, Mete might want a little bit more stability, so he might be looking at more of a two year kind of prove it deal, um, maybe in the neighborhood of two and a half million, but. Uh, but I think, you know, there's probably some grounds for negotiation there that they could meet somewhere if that's, you know, what both sides are looking at. And of course, Ottawa holds arbit- arbitration rights. So he doesn't have a, a whole lot uh, uh, that he can go off. And, and really, if it's based on point production, he, he's not going to have a whole lot when it goes to arbitration. But it, it would sour the relationship a little bit if it had to go there. So I'm hoping they can work something out. I, I'd, I'd be fine just bringing him back for a season and seeing what he could do. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I was thinking two years, two million, just because I think, you know, they have the money to spend. They must spend a little bit more this year to at least, you know, get the cap up. Yeah, exactly. And I I think they like Mete. And I think, you know, Sanderson, JBD, maybe goes back to Belleville next year. Um, He's got a spot in the lineup, I think, anyway. And um, at two million, if you can lock him up while he has a you know a fantastic year next year, if he does, I mean that's a steal for the for the year after. Um, so I think you know two years gives him some st- stability, like you talked about, but also I think it's it's not too dangerous for the team as well at uh, such a low price. So I think it's fair for both, but we'll see. I mean, you've got other guys you got to sign too, so I don't think they're rushing on that. I don't think so. Um, and then so I guess like on that note as well. Do you think that with the emergence of Mete and if Mete continues to play the way that he has, do you feel that Eric Brandstrom becomes expendable? I'm, and I know that last time we spoke about this, but it was more of like, do, who do we feel is going to be a better player? I think all of us voice that we, we felt Brandstrom would be a better player. I'm just curious if like, if there's room for, for both of them in the lineup long-term. It, it would it would really it would depend on you know if if one of them can switch over to the other side really but I, I mean that as as well as you know Brandstrom's a player that we've been saying for years like he's just got all of this untapped potential and he really does have to have the Drake Batherson effect really start next season where he comes in and he looks like you know the real deal and I think we started to see it at the end of the season a little bit in Brandstrom. Um, but I do think Mete and Brandstrom are competing for the same spot. I don't think, uh, uh, you know, a team that's led by Pierre Dorian and coached by DJ Smith is going to want for the long haul two undersized defensemen. I really can't see it. Um, so personally, I feel if, it, if I was running the team, I'd be completely fine with it. I love the mobility back there. And I think the mobility factor really changed um, their their competitiveness after the trade deadline. And I think 
hopefully they can identify that that's, you know, the one sort of outlier that really, really changed things for them. Um, but, but I realistically, I don't see both of them fitting when we talk about sort of the, the window to compete and, and the real sort of seasons that the senators are going to get into, uh, probably after this season. And that's why I see Mete more of a, a one year deal waiting for Sanderson to come up. Yeah. Or, or pushing Brandstrom out of a spot and then Mete getting the long-term extension at the end of next season. You know, if it, if it comes to that and Brandstrom's not able to take the next step, then he's the guy that's expendable. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And I think a lot of people feel that way too. I mean, I've seen the, the you know, the conversations about, oh, well, we can't have two undersized guys. But for me personally, I mean, you look at Brandstrom, he's an inch shorter than Kale McCarr. I mean, he's not... He's not tiny. I mean, he's still capable of playing, you know, very good hockey. And 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 you look at the league now; it's just quicker and faster. I feel like guys who can't move, like a like a Montreal style defense. I mean, yes, it works, but it's not the best in today's NHL. I don't think, especially when you're going up against guys like McDavid, where speed you just get burnt out of nowhere. So for me, I definitely have the argument that having two smaller defense actually works and I, I look at Colorado with Gerard and, and McCarr and I think you know that's a that's a great defensive uh, core right there and especially if you look at Ottawa it sort of mirrors what they have right now um, so I do believe that Mete and, and Branstrom could play together you put around them and who plays with who um, but uh, yeah I'll, I'll play the benefit of the doubt and I, I say that they actually see the benefit in it and keep it going but I mean, hey, respect to your opinion, though. I mean, everybody thinks a different way, so who knows? Yeah, no, and I, I think that that's, like, an important important piece, and I think we did speak about that, like, just at the end of the year, all the success that we had with that mobility. Um, it, maybe maybe uh, Dorian and um, DJ have, have changed their minds a bit because um, they, they've seen that it worked, and we were winning a lot of games like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I do, like, I genuinely thought that Mete was kind of just um, – a, a plug for a little bit. Like I, he was just kind of just getting thrown into the lineup um, just because he's a great player and like kind of worked out perfectly because it was right when we moved Riley. Um, but I, I do like inevitably like that is Sanderson's spot. Um, and it is just kind of interesting. And I, I am really curious to see, because I think if Brandstrom emerges as a, uh, the, what his ceiling is, he's going to be worth a lot of money. He's going to be worth probably um, around 6 million a year. And like, I think Sanderson um, is going to be worth more than that as well. And all yeah. of a sudden we're going to get to a point where we're going to be like, okay, well, we can't afford to pay three defensemen um, north, like anywhere from like six to 9 million, depending on, on what they finish out at. Um, and eventually one of them is going to have to get moved on from, in my opinion. So there you go. So maybe you take the Walmart version of Eric Brandstrom and, and you <laughs> sign Victor Mete for, you know, exactly. half, a, a fraction of that $6 million. And it allows you to keep some other players. Yeah. And you get assets for Branstrom probably more than you would get from Mete too. So, I mean, depends what they, they see in it. But I, I, I agree with you, boys. I think long-term, only one of them is going to be staying, which is unfortunate because I love both. And I, I can't really choose, honestly. I love Mete. Yeah, he, he plays at a different pace. And... He's, he's equally effective. I know Brandstrom has a much higher ceiling. We talked about that last time, but, but the pace that Mete plays at makes him equally effective, like he, or sometimes more effective than Brandstrom. 
Brandstrom, you could tell the wheels are turning. He's thinking the game a little bit more. And Mete is just this, um, you know, this energizer bunny that's just going 100 miles a minute. He's not really thinking the game super high level, but it doesn't matter because he makes up for it with speed, like Formington. No, exactly. Another guy who's going to get paid in the future, by the way. <laughs> you know, like all these players, we got to pay them all. But that's another one that, you know, he's he's rising up too. Don't forget about Formington. Yeah, all right. Um, so we're coming up on an hour, so we're going to have to wrap this. We'll be able to to send it off and get it on platforms. But um, thank you, everyone, for joining us, and it feels great to be back. We'll um, see you again in the near future.